This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Those consequences don't exist for the ones listening to this podcast. This is for the ones who always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump and the ones who just want to dominate year after year to show everyone else they're the champions. This is Fantasy Intervention. This is Fantasy Intervention. with your fantasy life, your host, Chase Vernon. So we'll kick it off, um, you know, just to kind of give everyone a rundown for, for tonight. We're obviously going to hit on the uh, week one of our preseason schedule against the New England Patriots. I think uh, a lot of stuff buzzing on, on Twitter. Uh a lot of stuff buzzing on Twitter about Ron Rivera, too, uh, which was kind of like, as a Washington football team fan, pretty upsetting to see. Um, you know, for those of you who are not in the know, uh, there was a, a charitable initiative that a lot of the fans had done, which was pretty great, um, getting Ron Rivera these, like, boxing gloves for his fight against cancer and making a $5,000 donation uh, to a charity. And then there were some people that were actually upset that Ron Rivera did not publicly thank them um, for the gift and the donation, which I felt like very not socially aware of, like we're in the middle of training camp, we're in the middle of roster cuts, they're actually getting ready for the season. So today it was just like, can we just not have nice things as fans sometimes? <laughs> Do we just sometimes botch it? But that one was kind of a, a bummer for me to to see that going out there. But uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. So we got George Carmi from Full Press Coverage joining us and former Washington football team tight end Logan Paulson as well. Um, before we jump into it though, I do want to call out one thing. Um, there was a really great charitable initiative, um, lead us with a positive note, um, uh, by the hog farmers. For those of you that don't know the hog farmers, I'm sure most Washington football team fans do. They are a Washington football team, super fan charity that focuses on pediatric cancer. Well, there's an 11 year old boy, Jalen, that they're helping out over there. He's got stage four colon cancer and was just given a two month life expectancy, um, so the hog farmers are doing some great things. He's got a little bit of a wish list of, of things that he's trying to, to get in this next two months, going to Legoland, going to Six Flags, a couple other things. Um, and uh, so if you guys have the opportunity to definitely go check them out on Twitter or go check out their website and do what you can, even if it's just retweeting or liking a post or donating $5, do what you can for that. That's a, a really big initiative we're all trying to get behind right now. So. Uh, just wanted to, to plug that really quickly for the hog farmers there. Um, but yeah, so just to um, take us away from from that, obviously, as, as sad as it is, but awesome that the fans have rallied around it. I think I was talking to Chris and he had said that they've already got the Six Flags piece locked up and they're continuing to go on. Uh, had a lot of big news for the Washington football team over this last week. We obviously had our first preseason game against the New England Patriots. Uh, one of the things that kind of Twitter was all over the place with uh, these last couple of days was um, the fan base was a little bit skeptical about Jamin Davis's performance. And I saw a lot of things going around of like, did we make a mistake not trading up for one of the quarterbacks? And I think you saw Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Fields. They all had like really, really dynamic first weeks of their preseason. So, you know, First off, I'm going to pass it to you, Logan. My question for you is, what did you see 
from Jamin Davis week one. Um, to me, it seemed like the defense was really trying to keep the passing game in front of them, taking more of like a bend, don't break approach. Are, are the fans being a little overcritical on his performance? So I had the opportunity to, uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, I had the opportunity to go to practice a couple weeks ago with the Julie Donaldson team over there at the Washington football uh, park. And, you know, when I went and watched that practice, I thought, man, he looks a little bit uh, slow, you know, kind of mentally slow, having a hard time processing it. He's playing middle linebacker. He's kind of generaling the defense. And I think that's extremely challenging for a young player, like a one-year starter out of Kentucky to come in, kind of helm an NFL defense. And everyone says, oh, well, you know, defensive concepts are probably pretty similar to Kentucky. And I would totally agree with that. However, you're kind of mirroring or matching something that's infinitely more complex than an NFL offense, right? You get way more formations, you get way more personnel packages, you get way more kind of cadence uh, variation and um, kind of adjustments at the line of scrimmage that you as the middle linebacker have to kind of respond to. And so I kind of just felt when I was at practice, he was swimming a little bit. And then when I watched the game, like, uh, you know, I think I came on this show and said that I think he could be the defensive rookie of the year. I still believe that. I just think it, his progression and his ascension to that position might take some more time because he's got a lot to chew right now and it's going to take him a while to digest all that. And I think everyone has like this knee jerk reaction in the NFL. Like, you know, whatever happened this last week is what's going to be the case for the whole year. And that's unequivocally incorrect. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a long season. It's still technically like practice, you know, like this is a, this is a practice time of year, you know, like he might not even end up playing Mike linebacker. I really think the guy that should play Mike is probably John Bostic. Like he's done a great job in camp general, like really that, that general kind of cerebral football player. Like he has that down in spades. And I think that that should be his role. And Jamin said play will, which is kind of much simpler and easier, more read and react kind of positioning. So, you know, like to me, I think huge overreaction. I think it's over, it's an overreaction to kind of go, Oh, it's, he's terrible. It's an overreaction to say, Oh, we should have got a quarterback. Like the quarterbacks are going against, preseason one defenses you know what I mean like how much did those teams prepare for this for this game like some teams probably didn't even open their playbook they just kind of kept practicing straight through so to me like it's it's a it's a gross overreaction and uh you know everyone just chill out you know we got a lot of time left <laughs> to go here uh we got three more games and three more weeks of practice so let's see what happens and it kind of reminds me of like the reactions back in 2002 when Steve Spurrier was the new head coach of Washington <laughs> And I don't know if people remember this, but we opened up against the San Francisco 49ers that preseason, and we blew them out of the water, 38 to 7. It was like everybody was like Super Bowl, and we, we pretty much dominated that whole preseason. Danny Warfel looked great. Like, this is the preseason. Everything's vanilla. People are trying out new things. New coaching staffs are just getting used to their players and players to the coaching staff. It is not the end-all, be-all. So do not hate Jamin Davis because of what you saw in one preseason game please <laughs> so george wanted to wanted to pass you what did you what did you see on uh out of jamin this this week i think logan nailed it actually kind of in the same ballpark i think javen davis you got him as a projection right he's a one-year starter at kentucky athletic freak he was really fast he had very he's more of a run and react kind of linebacker and i kind of had the same theory that paulson did i kind of was like you know what 
I think maybe they're going to implement him and kind of teach him the defense from the inside out and start him at middle linebacker. And then eventually, you know, transition him to the will linebacker, because I think it's more of like a zone coverage kind of read and react kind of position, as opposed to what John Bosick would excel at, at the middle linebacker position. So I actually kind of wanted to ask you, Logan, is that too much to ask of a rookie to do to basically start off as a might to kind of get the background of the playbook and then switch up to will like before week one, or is that too much to overcome? What do you think? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think it obviously depends. Like like anything that's really complicated, it depends. It depends on the player, it depends on the coaches, it depends on the scheme, right? Okay. So when you look at a guy like Jamin Davis, like obviously we've talked about, you know, when you're a starter, how much football does he actually know? How much football is he learning during this process, during training camp? And I think that there's – you know, there's reason to believe that if he learns Mike, he'll know all other all the other spots at linebacker. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's one of the benefits of lowering that position is you are central. You kind of have to, you know, like you said, like learn the defense from the inside out. I like that phrase quite a bit because I think that's spot on. And so I think you see guys who kind of learn that spot and then bump out. I think, you know, there, there might be some kind of wish list thing for Ron Rivera that he ends up being the next Luke Keekley and he's playing middle linebacker and helming the defense. And, you know, like if you look at their athletic traits – they're pretty comparable. I think Luke's obviously like football IQ is through the roof and that's what makes him a Hall of Famer. I don't think Jamin's quite there yet, but you know, like if you watch his college tape, there is reason to think that he's going to be a special football player for a long time. It's just, what is his development process like? How is this team going to do that? And I think ultimately like, you know, he might come out next week and play out of his mind. I'm just saying like, from what I've seen in practice so far, I think it's He's, he's not regressing because he hasn't been anywhere, right? He's just It's just taking longer than I think people would have hoped. And then there always is this ace in the hole that you can just bump him to a linebacker, which is kind exactly. of a notoriously simpler position to learn. So, you know, you always have that ability. I think he'll be playing week one. It just depends on what capacity. Like I, I when I was doing the evaluation, I kind of envisioned him playing, you know, Mike uh, and then Mike and base defense, Mike and nickel, Mike and dime kind of being your – three down linebacker, but that might not be the case, you know, in practice, John yeah. Boss playing the starting nickel, you know, and I think that is an indication of like where he's at from a mental standpoint, you know, and that's not a criticism of Jamin, like yeah, he's a rookie doing, he's a rookie. So I just think, yeah, it's going to take time. And I think everyone needs to just kind of be cool about it. <laughs> I, I think, agree. With, I think with the fan base, you saw a lot of, and sorry to interrupt George, you saw a oh, lot okay. of like the success of the rookie quarterbacks though. And I think we've been so hungry for a quarterback for so long that people are just waiting to get that excited about a quarterback in Washington. Well, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. I mean, like, I'm sure people, but like three of those guys were like top five picks. So what are you going to do? You're going to mortgage your whole life, mortgage the future of this franchise to bump up there. Like if you watch Fields college tape, like, yeah, he's a dynamic player, but he's a very far from a sure thing. You know what I mean? And like, if you look at the guy we were closest to, he was, he was, he was playing on the field with new England last night. And like, would you have mortgaged, two first round picks for that? Like, probably not. Like, put it in context, people. Like, look at it in the grand scope of what needs to happen. Don't look at it in this one game. Look at it five years from now and where you want to be. Yeah, my thing is that with Davis, I think the whole athletic profile is there. It's kind of be patient and let it, you know, let it progress, let it project. You know, like he is probably the, in the most insulated position he could be in the entire NFL. It's a great defensive line in front of him, two great defensive coaches there. And Jack Rio is a great, you know, he, I trust in his ability. So I think Davis, right now, his mind is moving slower than his body. But once his mind catches up, I think he can rise to the occasion and be an excellent linebacker. So I agree. Be patient with him. I mean, realistically, we're in what, week three training camp? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, personality-wise, we we know that if someone's going to try and tackle on as much as possible, it is going to be Jamin. Mentally, he's going to be in that 
playbook all all the time. So I don't question it at all right now. Just take your time, Logan. This seems to really uh, bother you. This conversation. <laughs> you, there. you seem oh, heated I, right now. <laughs> just fans get fired up, and I, that's why they're fans. They're fanatics. Yeah. They love it, yeah. right? But I think like just just take a breath. Like just put it in context. Like give it some give it some kind of structure in your mind. Like literally, like he's been playing football here for like I don't know maybe three months, two and a half months. Like. How good do you expect him to be? I know there are rookies that come in and play at a really high level, but this is a very challenging defense. And I'm not worried at all. Like, if he plays Will this season, that's fine. Like, who cares? Agreed. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, you know, we got a, a good chance to look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Taylor Heineke here. And I'll be honest, both looked pretty stable, had commanded the offense. Um, Granted, it, it's preseason, but I want to do a quick roundtable here, see what you all thought of this week. I know we touched on it a little bit before the show actually started, but, um, you know, Mark, I'll, I'll start it off with you, man. I, I want to get your thoughts on, on the quarterback position and, and what you saw out of Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick and, uh, and Taylor Heineke. Fitz seems like he's ready to roll for the season. There obviously are some things that he still mentally is working on and learning from the new system. But he showed everything that you would want for the most part come week one. Um, Heineke showed that he's definitely the number two quarterback, um, in my opinion. Uh, he did show some nice things. He had some nice third down conversions. He had the one to John Bates across the middle, and then he had that nice ball to Steve Sims going into the red zone. Um, Who made a couple nice grabs, by the way. Sims looked sense. pretty good. Yeah. But I just don't see talent-wise him competing with or competing for that number one job with Fitz. I think it's I think it's locked up for Fitz. Um, Fitz made some great throws, uh, especially that ball to Logan, um, the ball to Terry. The timing on those those routes were fantastic. So it's exciting, um, especially knowing how good that Patriots defense actually is. Um, you look at that front seven with their rotation. They have a lot of good players on that on that defense, so it was nice to see Week One in preseason. And I'm gonna actually, you talked about the the play to Logan Thomas. I'm gonna give a quick plug to Logan Paulson's Instagram because <laughs> uh, you did an amazing breakdown of that that one play there, where it was that back shoulder fade to uh, to Logan Thomas. There, uh, wanted to pass it over to you and, and and get your opinion on what you saw from Ryan Fitzpatrick and. You know, I, I, like I said, everyone should go check out Logan's Instagram. If you're not following, please do. He does a, a great job breaking uh, down plays, analysis, players, everything. So go check him out. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I would I would agree with Mark. Uh, I think that the the offense under Fitzpatrick looked just on time and on rhythm. I think there was kind of one third down to Humphreys. It got a little wonky. You know, Humphreys got tripped up. And I think that stuff will kind of iron itself out. It's first road game. Sometimes guys get a little nervous, a little heavy-legged. I think that stuff will kind of resolve itself as the season goes on. But I was just super impressed with the timing and the precision with, with which he executed the offense. He just seemed in total control. He seemed like he'd been, he's on the same page with the guys. Like I mentioned that on the Instagram, throw that back shoulder ball to Logan and to throw that kind of timing route in a tight window to Terry. I think it just shows that, like, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but – um, he seems to be right where you'd want to be preseason week one. Obviously, you want to see a development as the defenses and the structures get more complicated next week. But, um, yeah, I, th I think he's right on schedule. And I think it 
you know, it's, it's really hard to compare, in my opinion, uh, Fitzpatrick to Heineke because Heineke has like such a different playing style. He plays a little bit off schedule, right? He kind of plays more Mahomes, uh, Wilson, Josh Allen type of philosophy at the position. And I think that um, it just, to me, to my eye, it's really hard to compare because Fitz runs it the way it should be run. And Heineke's making plays, but outside the structure of what the offense would dictate. Out of timing, not as quite, not quite as like crisp to my eye. You know, I played 10 years, right? And so that's how, that was the standard for the position for 10 years when I was playing. But now, obviously, like I just listed a couple case studies where that's a successful play style and people have, have, have winning franchises based around quarterbacks like that. I'm not saying that Heineke is that guy, but I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind when evaluating him. I think I'd like to see him do more stuff from the pocket, really, if I'm being totally candid. I think that that would kind of bump him up in my mind to that one role. But I think, uh, I think like Mark said, the, the quarterback battle, in my opinion, is nigh. Like, it is Fitzpatrick's job. And I know they're going to kind of keep this dog and pony show going for another couple of weeks. But um, it's, it's his job, I think, uh, ultimately. I agree. The other thing that I thought got a little bit interesting, though, this preseason game was the running back room. And I was probably a little bit more skeptical on Jared Patterson's skill set watching some of his tape coming out. But I thought he looked pretty darn good. I mean, he had 10 carries for 40 yards, four receptions for 30 yards. Afterwards, you heard the coaching staff compare him to Darren Sproles. So question to you, Logan, like, how do you see the running back room shaking out? Um, one of the big things that on Twitter, again, a lot of the fans are talking about is like Peyton Barber's limited skill set. Um, but I thought that, to be honest with you, Peyton Barber played a reliable role in 2020. I felt like he converted third downs. He converted red zone opportunities very consistently. Um, and I think people underestimate that skill set a little bit. But how do you see the running back room shaking out? Yeah, so I think I think you got a good indication of how the staff feels about the running back room when they cut Lamar Miller when was that yesterday or two days ago. Um, I think that that shows that they feel pretty good about where Patterson is at, and I think they should feel good about it. Like you know, like you mentioned, a lot of his film from Buffalo was really hard to evaluate because that Buffalo offensive line was like carving these huge holes in the yep. defense. And, um, you know, like I'm not saying this in jest. It was kind of like evaluating Derrick Henry when he was at Alabama. Like you kind of had these questions about his running style. Like, can he read defenses or is he just going to run to the first cut because the O-line is so good that it's making this hole? And uh, obviously he answered those questions emphatically. I also wondered a little about his foot speed. He showed an ability to make people miss in the hole and kind of create yards after contact for a small guy. You know, I, I said this the other day, but like, you know, built like a fire hydrant, feet like a bunny <laughs> rabbit. Like that's a good skill set for a running back. I don't think he's going to usurp or unseat uh, Barber, I think, or what was his name? McKissick, uh, right? No, no, the third guy, number Peyton 24. Barber. Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber, right? Uh, I always get, I always forget his name. I'm sorry, Peyton, if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, the, um, but he, I think he's looked good in training camp. He's looked kind of like that reliable short yardage back, you know? And so what I think, I heard this, other, this on the other day on the radio, I think this is a pretty good insight. I think what you do is you kind of, Sit, sit Patterson on the practice squad for a year and then you know McKissick's contracts up next year and so instead of having to kind of sell the farm to get that I think you've got a nice potential replacement obviously that's a year away so you got to see how guys develop but that's what I would say I think he's earned an opportunity to be a part of his organization for 2021 in some capacity practice squad or active roster 
Yeah, and you talked about the foot speed uh, a little bit and that that like short area quickness. He he had a really nice play actually in the open field against Ronnie Perkins, who's also a rookie from Oklahoma, but um, on one of his run on one of his uh, longer runs the other night and uh, just made him look silly in the open field. So it was interesting to see that happen. Um, interesting to see Patterson develop there. Um, you know, I think one of the things that George you had mentioned on Twitter. Um, was people were a little bit surprised that Lamar Miller uh, had already gotten cut. And you made the point that like, he's been on the roster already, right? Like I think people had the assumption that Lamar Miller was a free agent signing in an unknown entity, but he actually finished the season on our roster last year. Exactly right. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of surprised. I feel like sometimes a name travels, right? So Lamar Miller was a pro bowler in 2018. I think people thought he was more of a big free agent acquisition, but I think he's been out of the league or hasn't been playing for the past two years. So we actually had him last year on our roster going into the playoffs. Cause I think we, I think Antonio Gibson was nicked up and we got to cut, we added Lamar Miller as like a, a, you know, option. Yeah. It was something to kind of protect us in case Antonio Gibson couldn't play, but um, kind of what Logan said, I agree with everything. I think, with Lamar Miller being released, I think it kind of shows you the state of our running back room. And I think regardless of what fans think, you kind of have to kind of watch what the coaches are doing. And they do have faith in Peyton Barber and McKissick and Antonio Gibson. And honestly, I think Ryan, you and I are in the same ballpark. Like um, Peyton Barber, you know, is that going to explode? He might, you know, he doesn't have a career yards per carry average that's going to blow you away, but he serves a role. And that's what a good offensive coordinator wants. They want utility pieces to plug in whenever they need to kind of put them in the right place. So he's a good short yardage down back. If he's scoring touchdowns and getting first downs, why are you going to get mad at him? So I think, um, you know, having him in, having him in house and having McKissick as a, sorry, having um, Patterson as a McKissick in training is definitely a good strategy to have for our team. So I kind of like the forward thinking that they're doing. And also I think like kind of you alluded to it a little bit there, but like, you know, coordinators like people they can trust, right? And so one of the big knocks on every rookie that comes into training camp is how much can you trust them? How much can you put on their plate? Like when the moment gets big, is this a guy that you can trust that's going to get you one yard in a short yarded situation that knows that I need to get down on this? You know what I mean? Like how much can you trust them? So I think with a guy from a small school like Buffalo, he's got he's got a long road to earn that trust. And, and Barber has earned that. He's earned that equity over the course of his time here with the Washington football team. And, I, you know, and I think, you know, maybe you could make the argument that at the end of last season that he didn't look very good. But every practice I've been to, which is four preseason game, he looks to be in good shape. Right. He looks like a better version of himself. So he lost weight, I heard. Right. Drop some pounds. Yeah, yeah. He, look, he looks it in practice. I mean, I don't know that for sure. But yeah, so I just think like he, there's a guy who's got that trust and he's reinforced that trust by kind of becoming a better version of himself. So I think it's really hard to kind of break that psyche for the coaches. I He's think all- where fans get a little bit nervous is when Antonio Gibson did get that turf toe injury last year and we needed somebody to be that bell cow a little bit more. We didn't have that, right? So you saw a lot of McKissick in there and he got a ton of re- reception attempts. And then you see someone like Peyton Barber step in and even in the preseason game, like blowing a, a passing coverage in the one, one instance where they asked him to pass block and, um, you know, it, it's those kind of instances, I think, where people are looking for. And maybe it's fantasy football. Maybe it's people looking for that guy that's like five yards for carry, you know, like coming in and being that workhorse. But Barber served a role and he served it really well last year. And I think, like we talked about, reliable and short yard situations. And almost every time we needed him to convert a short yard situation, he did. And I don't think people realize how important of a skill set that is to have and how important that was for our playoff run last year. I think it, we may have watched a different play. But on that pass block that he supposedly blew, 
he was just a chip. It was Tamaric Heming- Hemingway's block, and he just oh, right. it yeah. and released. So I don't, I'm not putting that all on, on Peyton Barber. I actually thought he played well the other night. He hit the hole just like Peyton Barber does. It's not the sexiest thing in the world, but he still got his yards. And he fought, you know, that touchdown run he had, I think Sam Cosme looked fantastic on it. But Peyton, <laughs> Peyton Barber did his job. And it's – you don't think Peyton Barber is doing anything else besides being that goal line back, but he's also out there on special teams. He was on kick return. He was on punt. So he's all over the place, and I think that's really ultimately what Ron wants. And I think it's important for fans to kind of keep this in perspective. Like, there's not many Antonio Gibsons, like, walking around on the street. <laughs> like, exactly. You know what I mean? Think about how many bell cow backs there are in today's modern NFL, and there's, like, five, four. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't even put Antonio Gibson in that category of elite runners yet. I think he could be, but I, I think it's a little ways to go. So to, to think that your third running back is going to have, like, elite traits. Like, I hate to break it to you. He's not going to be your third running back. He's going to be doing something else for somebody else. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think that's an important perspective to have. Like, this team's very fortunate to have two pretty dynamic running backs. And, obviously, you want to kind of find the best version of that third back position. But, like you said, he does teams. He's got a nice role in the offense. So – Again, like, you know, fans get all fired up about it, and I understand why, but, like, dude's a good football player, and he fits that role very nicely. I do also I do also think that if they feel as if Patterson may get scooped up, okay, they have the ability to keep four backs. There's a lot of ways to work the roster, especially with the versatility that they bring on defense, that they can actually keep him on the active roster and not lose him. And one thing to consider, go ahead, go ahead, Logan. No, no, go ahead. I want to I say, one thing to consider was basically they have a new, um, they kind of dipped their toe into it last year with the new COVID rules and injured reserve that can basically kind of move the practice squad around. So in theory, we have, we're 10 deep on the offensive line. A lot of them are versatile with, you know, flowers yeah. can play tackle or guard. They can, in theory, keep nine solid people for our offensive line, put one on the practice squad and sneak on a running back if they really want to. So that's one way to go for it. Yeah, and you, you have a good, swing tackle and Lucas too, who can play both left and right if needed. So I think, I think that gives us a little bit of flexibility into your point. We, we have a pretty reliable interior offensive line from a depth perspective and, and guys who have had a lot of success in the league. So I think that could be an area where, where you do see us take nine. The only issue becomes what do you do at the wide receiver position? Cause we only kept five last year, right? So when you look at that, like roster breakdown and that molding, we only got five wide receivers last year. We got six going, uh, this year, I'm, I'm thinking when we look at the p- potential cuts and everything like that. So you went from a, a unit that lacked depth going into the beginning of the season last year to one that we're probably going to at least keep six wide receivers. So if you keep those four running backs, do you cut down on that ability to keep that extra wide receiver? No, you're keeping six no matter what. I'm going to read you the five receivers we kept last year for our active roster. Okay. Get excited. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Actually, I this may not be right, but I <laughs> I, I can't even talk, read you the list. Talk it's like that. Mark, talk we, had, we had Cody Latimer. We, did. we had oh, Trey oh. Quinn, Steve Sims. I mean, obviously Cam Sims, but it was so bad. It was so bad. So, yeah, you're only keeping five. You know what was interesting? Ben Standick had a really good point today on his podcast. He basically said – um, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday was a symbolic day for Washington. That's that's when Curtis Samuel came back. 
it was like we released Kelvin Harmon and then Curtis Samuel came back on the same day. And then in 2018, when Curtis, well, sorry, when Kelvin Harmon actually started, he was our wide receiver too. So that like that two-year evolution just kind of shows you how deep we've kind of evolved over the past couple of years. And I like our wide receiver depth. I think we're uh, I think we're going to go there in a second with our conversation, Ryan. But I think uh, I like our wide receiver depth, and I think um, you know we don't have to depend on anybody. I think we have a variety of weapons. But I'll kind of freeze right now while you can kind of take over the question. <laughs> go ahead. I know where you're going with it. So, well, one, one quick thing here, though, just to hit on Mark's point. So it wasn't even one? Cody Latimer, because if you remember, Latimer he lost got his in, mind. Yeah. He, he got into some legal trouble there. <laughs> yeah, Latimer didn't even play for the Washington. Yeah, I got to go. Yeah, so we, we had Terry McLaurin, Stephen Sims, Dontrell Inman, Antonio yeah, yeah, Gandy-Golden, and Isaiah Wright were the five that broke camp last exactly. year wow. so it was not a not a deep one before we go on logan you were gonna hop in there um when we, you pass it over to, to george anything you wanted to jump no. in there all right i was just saying it seems like you guys got outlines and I, i'm over here just like fumbling around in the basement professional you're good you don't need an outline yeah, you're good. You're fine. Yeah. i'm free selling too man we're all good yeah, yeah you're just reading off the outline george come on <laughs> no but i i think with one of the bigger names getting cut, and I'll pass this to you, George, you know, did the release of Kelvin Harmon surprise you as we're talking about wide receivers here? Because that was a name that I think a lot of Washington football fans were kind of excited to see him rehabbing from that, that ACL injury, coming back healthy and wanting to see what he can, he can be. He was a guy, good guy to like push the chains, another reliable, like third down guy at NC state. Was that a name that surprised you when he got released? Not really, to be honest, right? I'm going to kind of give you my evolution on Calvin Harmon. So I do, I didn't think he was going to make the team to be truthful, to be truthful with you guys. I thought that um, he shined with Dwayne Hassan's at quarterback. He was drafted by the previous regime. And I feel like with that torn ACL, he was already facing the deficit coming into the season. Um, I think um, I know actually we're just, John Kime said he basically said that Scott Turner lobbied and kind of fought for Antonio Gandy Golden last year. That was part of his draft pick. That's who he wanted as part of his roster. And they, they fulfill similar skills. So I kind of saw them as similar players and were 50 50 contested catch guys, big body guys, possession receivers that don't separate. So I thought Harmon basically had a struggle to make the team. I do. I honestly, I think very highly of Harmon. I think he has great character, and I thought he was making a comeback. You could hear some good um, murmurs during training camp that he was starting to shine, and that's what kind of like, hey, kind of raised my eyebrow. Like maybe he is going to make the team. But I think um, they, did, they did a respectful service for him. They knew he wasn't going to make it, so they kind of released him now to hopefully latch on to another team later on. Um, to kind of finish my thought, though, that whole wide receiver six, I don't think it's a necessary like big glaring hole for us because I think we're going to be more of a collective offense. I think between, you know, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and Gibson and McKissick and Thomas, everyone's going to pitch in and everyone has their part. You know, that wide receiver six is more of a depth piece that maybe get in after a couple injuries. So I don't think we have to worry too much about it. And um, I'm high on Cam Sims. I kind of like, I was hard on him before, but I think Cam Sims kind of showed out last year with a couple of big games, including the Buccaneers game, had a hundred yards at the playoff game. So, you know, he's kind of a high upside guy too. So that's kind of my thoughts on the wide receiver core. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, too, is when you talk about the six, and this is one of the things that stood out to me um, the other night was how explosive DeAndre Carter looked as a punt returner. True. And I feel like that's something that we've lacked for a little while. And I think if you look at that unit of six, I'm almost kind of carving out his role when I'm projecting out the roster, thinking that he's going to lock up a spot just because of his his ability to play on special teams. So then I start looking at it. It's kind of a battle of five, and, and this is just my take on it. I, we'll see if you guys feel the same, but 
it's, it gets pretty tight as you start getting to that back end of like Steven Sims, Cam Sims, Isaiah Wright, Antonio Gandy-Golden. You're really looking at like one guy from that group if we keep six, if DeAndre Carter makes the roster. So, you know, Logan, is there anyone that you see as like locks? Um, I, I think we talk about like on the show, like McLaurin, Humphreys, Samuel, and Deami Brown, I feel like are pretty safe. Do you agree with those four as kind of being locks for the roster? Obviously McLaurin and Brown and, and Samuel, but is Humphreys safe? Yeah, so I think they, I think that staff kind of gave you the answers to the test in the first preseason game, at least in what they're thinking at the moment, right? So you look at the first group, Terry McLaurin, Cam Sims, Humphreys. I think that was the first three, right, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, yeah. Samuels is coming in. That's four, right? And I think those are going to be your four right there. And then surprisingly to me, obviously, De'Ami Brown we talked about, but Steve Sims was the second wide receiver in with the twos there, right? And, like, he was a guy that I thought had kind of – played himself out of this starting role or even yep. the, the future the future plans for this organization. But if you look at like the way he was playing, I thought he looked dynamic on releases, getting off press. You mentioned one of his catches already. Like he looked kind of like he had new life in his body. And if you're looking at the depth chart as dictated by the second preseason game, he's your guy. So the guys outside looking in are AGG right, which isn't totally surprising. I'm a little surprised by AGG because I thought he was – the four days I went to practice, he was kind of coming alive a little bit. I, however, like dudes having a hard time getting off press coverage. And like, if you're a big body receiver, like you got to do that. And so unless he can kind of turn a corner there, like another thing, and this is like very tinfoil hat ish. I think they might be able to sneak him to practice squad if they do it right. You know what I mean? I think they could, um, I think he's a guy that didn't play a ton last year, but I totally agree with you that. And like, if you look at, so to finish my thought, that second wide receiver group was filled out, not by, um, the kid from BYU, but rather DeAndre Carter, who is not as good a receiver as that kid, but you already mentioned that he kind of brings this dynamic punt returner ability. Like I played with Dre when I was in San Francisco. I played with him when I was in Houston, and that's his skill set. That's why he's on the team, right, is to catch punts, make sure the ball doesn't hit the ground, and just be like Mr. Consistent back there. So I think there's your answer, right? You get one special teams player, and those other – that's it. And I think those other guys who I didn't mention – Yeah, and Logan, I think we're breaking up. I think George, you had a you had a point to make right there. I'll let you. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna ask you a question, Logan, if you don't mind. So, yeah. um, I'm really big on Stephen Sims. I I definitely was. He was my breakout candidate last year. I thought he was really gonna have a big year, but he kind of struggled last year. He kind of struggled with drops as well. Um, as a pass catcher yourself, Logan, how hard is it to shake that habit? Like, what have you seen in the past? What do players do to kind of get their mindset back? Is it something that can be fixed, or what do you what have you perceived over the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. Like, you know, everyone taught, like, Simone Biles just had that thing exactly. where they got the spinnies or whatever at the gymnastics. And, like, you hear about pitchers with the yips and all that kind of stuff. There exactly. is a little bit of that. Like, you'll see a guy just go through a phase, like, where they can't catch a cold, like, quite literally. And it's all psychological, right? Like, they're just so in their head. And, like, I've been there, too. I've, I've, had, I've played probably half of a season just thinking, like, I cannot – I'm physically incapable of catching a football. Right. So you kind of like go back to basics. You got to kind of like, I don't want to say reteach yourself, but just kind of familiarize yourself with the football in your hands. Like I literally just kind of walk around with the football and just like squeeze it and practice tucking it and spin it and catch it just like to myself, just to kind of get used to the feel of it. Like I wasn't scared of it anymore. Like kind of familiarize myself with the ball again, you know? And I, I got a lot of guys that get on the jugs and catch, you know, 200, 400 passes after practice again, just to kind of 
break through that kind of anxiety that they get when the ball's in the air. And right now, honestly, like having gone to practice and having watched this first preseason, like, you know, I only, I wasn't super, I wasn't following this team when I was playing. Um, but last year was the first year I saw, saw this team like a lot. I was covering them, talking about them quite a bit. And I was not impressed with Steve Sims. And I will say right now, he appears to be kind of a new version of himself, you know, maybe kind of that breakout kind of candidate. The thing that with Steve Sims that always gets me though, is like, where does he play on special teams? If he's going to be your sixth guy, like what does he do for you on teams? And if you looked at the game yesterday, like AGG or whatever that was Thursday, AGG played on all four special teams. And so are they kind of, is that an audition for AGG to see if he can do the teams thing, like, and not have him play a ton on offense? You know what I mean? Is that kind of what they're looking at? Because right now, I don't know what role Steve Sims fills for you on teams if he's not your starting returner. Yeah, and I actually saw a stat, actually. I think he had five muff punts last year as a punt return, which led the league. In, which I led remember the NFL. all of them. Yeah, so it's pretty <laughs> good. So. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, AGG, you didn't really get to see his inability to get off of press coverage at Liberty, I feel like, because he was just so much more uh, superior as an athlete to what is he was going up against from a, a competition perspective. But it's definitely something he struggled with. And Sims are just going to say the thing about the muff bumps. Like, that, that is something that I thought was the nail in the, the coffin for him was his audition last year on special teams. So uh, that's where when DeAndre Carter started to – come and take that role as a punt returner. I thought that was going to be the end of Steven Sims until I saw this last week's game. But Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So I think the, the one last thing I want to make sure we, we hit on is uh, the tight ends, obviously, because we do have you, Logan. So, um, and we, we touched on it a little bit last time you were on the show. Um, but one of the the biggest surprises to me, I felt like, was um, Simis Reyes's ability to block. <laughs> I mean, some for someone that was learning the position, he actually stood out to me as like a, a pretty solid blocker. Um, I wanted to see if you saw the same thing, if you were impressed by his uh, his first audition. And I think last time we talked about, hey, maybe we sneak him and tuck him away on the the practice squad. Is that something that's even feasible now? Is that so is he someone through his auditions that maybe gets sniped and we can't stash on the practice squad? Yeah. So I think quite frankly, I think you feel pretty good about him. If you had to walk into him with him as your four or third tight end this year, right? Like I know he's not playing against like the top tier competition, but you know, like one of the things that immediately strikes you about Sammy when you meet him and you talk with him is like, he's a big human being. Right. And like, he's not the most technically sound guy, but he's not like afraid of like contact and the way you think a basketball player is like, it's, it, it's weird. Like after working out with him, I kind of came to this conclusion that like, he's not going to be like Mr. Dynamic receiver. He's going to be like a better inline guy probably first. Cause he's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid no. to kind of smash yeah. in there. His, his footwork's not great. His hand placement's not great, but he's, he's six, six, like, 60. like he's a big dude. Right. And he puts that body on people and people go, they move because being big, he's also extremely strong in the weight room, right? So I think that, I think that yes, I think that he obviously wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you saw kind of you got a preview of what the potential is for him at the position, and I think that that's exciting if you're Washington, exciting if you're a coach for the Washington football team because those that that money and the time that you've put in is going to return a dividend possibly sometime this year. 
Yeah. I, I mean, after watching Tim Tebow block today, I'm fairly <laughs> <certainly> certain. <laughs> what are your um, thoughts on that, Logan? What's going on? I haven't seen I haven't uh, seen Tim Tebow, but the thing about Tim, like even I don't know if we talked about it on this show before, but like when he was with New York, like we would watch them, we would watch their film, and like they tried to get him to play fullback, and he was bad at blocking, like he was bad at it. And so everyone says, "Oh, the game's changed. You know, he can come in and he can play receiver." Like he ran a four-seven. I don't know what receiver runs a four-seven, right? I don't. Fast-moving, like F position tight end, you know, runs a four-seven. Those guys are all really fast now. And so, like, what role are you expecting him to fill, Tim Tebow? Like, that's the thing that kind of befuddles the mind when you talk about Tim Tebow. Is like he was bad at it before. He's thirty-three years old or thirty-four years old. Like. He hasn't been playing football. Like, what makes you think he's going to be better at blocking now? And he, he he's not – he's a good athlete, but he's not elite for what the position requires. So, to me, I always thought that was kind of a long shot. I thought it was kind of a weird move by Urban Meyer. Like, you could have kind of thrown a lottery pick on a guy. You know, there's a whole bunch of guys like that that come out of college basketball and football. Why not take a flyer on a guy like that if you're – but, you know, hey, you got your – your favorite football player of all time, Herbert Meyer wears Tim Tebow pajamas. You know, <laughs> you know you're first, and you know you get that guy in the building. You feel pretty good about it. Uh, um, I think if you just Google Tim Tebow block, you'll you'll see what you needed to see. And it, it did not improve from what it was in New York. So, uh, I mean, his balance <laughs> is really, his balance is really bad. So he was just getting tossed left and right. He was leaning hard. You can see it. But Samus, yeah, he may not have had the best technique, but uh, his willingness to block is yeah. probably the most exciting thing. He will throw it, mix it up with anybody. So that sticks out on film right away when you watch him block. Now, not blocking. I think we, we already talked about one of Hemingway's uh, whiffs on, on uh, when, when he was blocking in, in pass coverage. And, you know, I want to ask you, George, do you, do you see – him making the roster, do you think he's one of these first cut candidates for us? What do you what do you see happening at the tight end position? So it's hard to grade, right? So I can only kind of like I can only judge from hearsay. And going into the first preseason game, there's a lot of like momentum behind Hemingway. You kind of heard good things about him, and um, you know there was good like practice reports, and there was even kind of whispers of him being wide receiver or sorry tight end too behind Logan Thomas. Um, I think. Um, Maybe he's more of a practice player than a gamer. That's something that's very, you I know, mean, that's something startling to kind of keep in mind. I don't think he's a, a cut candidate yet. I think he's still in the mix. Um, I do like uh, John Bates. I think he's kind of underrated and kind of under the radar. I think he's a willing blocker. Sad. I think he's uh, he'll find some little holes in the zone. Um, I just, I don't know. I just don't know what the team's going to do. There's so many good competitive battles. Like, are they going to keep four tight ends? And like, for me, I don't know. For me, I don't know if this is total blasphemy. Uh, like, if it's between Samus Reyes' upside and to, like, to Merrick Hemingway on the team, I potentially want to keep Reyes, right? I feel like Reyes could basically grow and has a higher upside. But maybe I'm just talking as a fan. I don't know the technicalities of the pure tight end, so I don't really know. But um, I don't think he's in danger of a cut yet. But I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, one one quick thing is you, you talked about John Bates and his ability to find like that soft spot on the zone. I mean, he had one catch where I'm he got same. in front of the free safety and found that soft spot in the zone and made a really, really nice catch over the middle. So um, I, I like John Bates, too. I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a solid player. And we talked about him with Logan um, last time Logan was on. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't think any of the tight ends actually make it through this first cut of five. I, I don't think any of them get cut. I think it's going to be something that we continue to see over the, the next couple of weeks, oh, see how Reyes progresses. And, um, you know, I think we'll look elsewhere to cut. 
that's just yeah. And like, just to make a quick comment, like I was at practice, uh, you know, like two right, right before the preseason game, basically. And like of the guys, like Hemingway sticks out to you. Like, I mean, he's big, he's physical. He's he, he like Bates in line is is one of the most dominant blocking rookies I've ever. Like he's awesome. so good in line. Like it's. I love it. Like I love seeing a tight end that can do what he does that kind of is aggressive, but he's not great as your move guy, off the ball guy. He doesn't seem very comfortable there. And Hemingway, in practice at least, seemed pretty comfortable with that. You know, kind of filling that role. And he's bigger than you think. And he's getting all the reps with the like in that kind of third tight end role when they go 13 personnel. And he's in there mixing it up with Chase Young. And like there's a guy again who's not got a great blocking skill set, but kind of has the right mentality. So I had kind of like moderate expectations for him coming into the and I think he I don't want to say he stumbled, but he didn't perform as well as his practice would have led me to believe, right? He and again, like that to be said for the fact that like he's playing in practice, you play a specific role within the offense. You play that third tight end, right? And then in the preseason game, now all of a sudden you're expected to play Y, F, and these other positions, you don't get a upset. So like it's sometimes it's unfair. Like I was put in that spot numerous times in my career and it sucks, but you got to be ready to go. And I, there was a little bit of that going on. Also, I read today that he concussed himself in the game. So like, you know, how much of that is, uh, is affecting his performance? Like, I don't think he's cut himself yet, but you know, it's definitely, he's, I think he had kind of, at least from talking with guys like John Kime, Chris Russell, Julie Donaldson, people are practicing every day. He was the third guy, right? It was, and Hemingway. And now I think the door is cracked open a little bit for you to say, well, maybe Ricky Seals Jones comes in after talking to the tight end coach. I don't think that ever happens because the tight end coach kind of like, I don't think he can block. And this is like old school, gritty, like dip in the mouth kind of tight end coach. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. we're going to block here. But um, I think now you kind of run into the thing that George brought up is the Sammy's come on as your four Hemingway plays as the three for the first four games. And then he's relegated to practice squad or some kind of dynamic like that. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. It will definitely yeah. be interesting to see who gets tossed on the pup at some point in time because you know roster spots are going to get open that way as well. Yeah, and we talked about that last time. Like we yeah. were saying that with Reyes. Like, does he I mean, come up with that mysterious injury and we stash <laughs> him on the pup? <laughs> I mean, realistically, that's Gandy Golden all day long, in my yeah. opinion. Hey, yeah. Logan, do you think uh, Sammy Reyes could walk onto an NFL game like, like this time this year, at any point this year, or no? Oh, with oh, this year? Yeah. Um, I think there's a really good chance that he plays on special teams at some point this year. Okay. And what I mean by that is I think he you put him on punt coverage. I think you could do punt return, um, maybe cover a kickoff, but probably more likely kickoff return. And I think maybe work his way in as the third guy, you know, depending on the package and the situation that they're trying to use him in. Um, you know, when I was working out with him, he said they had a lot of packages for him where they go two tight ends and he'd be the X wide receiver and they'd like throw him a fade. Right. I could easily see something like that happening. I mean, the problem there is that like, you know, like that's a cool package and that's a cool idea, but you're going to take Terry McLaurin off or, you know, <laughs> Curtis Samuels or, you know, even like Humphreys or Gibson or one of those guys off the field so that he could do that. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's a nice ace in the hole. And I think maybe that shows up at some point, but it's always important to kind of keep that in perspective. Like who are you going to get more miles out of, in that situation and you know you have one of the best receivers in the nfl on your team like you don't want him not on the field for any reason you know so so just to go back to something did you mention that they were using tamaric hemingway more as like a receiving tight end at, at one point no they were okay. using it more as like the move kind of like like think fullback more fullback okay. type of stuff you know what i mean like cross block like inserts um because like i said bates did not look 
well, like despite his kind of, um, you know, like the way he excelled in line, he struggles moving. Like he just doesn't, he didn't do it a lot at Boise State, you know, and like it shows up a bit in his game now. Like he's got a little bit of a learning curve there. And Hemingway seemed to have had kind of a knack or a good feel for that. And like, that's perfect for you, right? Because you don't want to put low, like I saw Logan Thomas playing fullback in the game the other day. And like, to me, that's like not what you want your star. Like, would you put Travis Kelsey back there? Like, would you put Darren Waller back there? Like those positions, that guy is like concussion fodder, right? So like, I I had to do this. I'm not, this is not a criticism of Hemingway, but in terms of roster value, like put Logan Paulson or Hemingway back there, let him get a concussion. Like that's the whole point (laughs) of the position. And like, that's why you're there. You know what I mean? So like, I think if I'm surprised they didn't have him back there, to be quite honest, but, you know, hey, I'm not the coach. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you were, you were more than a concussion guy for us <laughs> over here, <laughs> time, man. You were a very reliable piece for us. So The problem is just... we had the other concussion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> With Jordan Reed, Reed always yeah. had a concussion. Poor guy, yeah. yeah, poor guy. Yeah. I mean, he's doing all right financially. Don't worry, but not not financially. <laughs> for yeah. Good point. Good point. You know, for long term health, maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's tough there. But... That's a good question. I mean, like, would you would you be getting your brain scrambled for fifty million bucks? I think a lot of people would say yes, right? <laughs> That's like the question: Would you go one round with Mike Tyson? Yeah. No. <laughs> you do it for fifty million bucks or hundred million bucks? If I, I don't that, think I'd be seeing any of that money. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to stand for three minutes. I'm not saying that. I mean, but I would take his shots for the money. Yeah. I'd get knocked out 100%. <laughs> yeah, just don't, just make sure you got your mouthpiece in. Tongue's nice and clenched. And then, yeah. Don't on your own tongue. They got good doctors for a reason there. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. All right, well, well, we'll close it out here. I appreciate everybody taking the time to join us. Before we do close out, two things. One, just want to plug again, if you caught us in the beginning of the show, we did plug some of the great work the hog farmers is uh, have going on right now, supporting pediatric cancer. And one of the things they're trying to do for the 11-year-old Jalen, who is in stage four um, colon cancer and only has a two-month life expectancy. So if you could go help fulfill some of his wishes at that website uh, through the hog farmers or through their Twitter, please go check them out. Um, we'll also do a quick roundtable. I want everyone to kind of give a shout to where people can find you. Um, Logan, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, you can find me at Logan underscore Paulson82, doing some uh, breakdowns of the games and just kind of, that's all I do really on there. You're not going to learn anything about me other than that. So <laughs> come check it out. And that's on Instagram. And seriously, everybody go check it out because it's it's one of the, the best followers. And if you're someone that's trying to get into film, if you're someone that's just passionate about football, it's a, it's a great account to follow. So definitely go give uh, give Logan a follow over there. You guys, can right. find me, you guys can find me at Mark Crow on Twitter. Logan, we got to pull you into the dark side. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, come to Twitter, man. Twitter's awesome. <laughs> Twitter's awesome, but it's also got like, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, 50% of careful. it is like the worst trolls you'll, you'll ever come across. <laughs> yeah, so it's better yeah, off. <laughs> and George, how about you, man? Where, where can they find you? What's up, guys? I'm gcarmy 21 at Twitter. I write for Full Press Coverage Washington, and I also have an upcoming Full Press Coverage podcast, and I write for the Burgundy Zone. So, guys, find me on Twitter. I'll be there, and uh, we can definitely be in touch. And, Looking forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, and for myself, I'm Ryan. You can find me at what Gibbs FF on Twitter. Uh, definitely give all of us a follow if you're not following us, and we appreciate all of the support. So thank you, everyone. Appreciate you joining. <laughs>